It's your favorite childbirth educator here, Joni Edelman, and this is Radical Childbirth Education. Education for parents and providers who want the down low on the low down. Trigger warning for a brief mention of loss in this episode. Welcome to the podcast, everybody, and thank you so much for joining me for this inaugural episode. In this episode, I just want to give you a quick idea of who I am and what we're going to be doing here. It's the least I can do. Time is a really valuable resource, and listening to my podcast means you're giving me yours. So I want to make sure that you know exactly who you're working with. So my name's Joni Edelman. I live just east of Austin, Texas, on a little homestead farm. We raise Jersey cows and milk them for raw milk and turkeys and chickens and ducks and pigs. Well, a pig. Her name's Marigold. I'm just about to turn 50 this year. I have six kids. Most of them are grown and gone. I have one grandson that's three years old, who is just the best ever. How I ended up in this work is kind of a convoluted story, so I'll share it with you as briefly as I can. My whole goal as a child was to grow up and become a veterinarian. I was really obsessed with birth, particularly the birth of animals, but I read a lot of human birth books and asked a lot of human birth questions. I didn't know anybody that had a baby, and I didn't have any siblings until I was in my teenage years. So there was no one to talk to about birth, but I wanted to know everything about it from the time I was very small. I remember my mom giving me, you know, quote, unquote, the talk when I was maybe only four or five. I grew up and finished high school and went to pre-vet at UC Davis in California. And then some stuff happened in my family that necessitated me quitting, thinking I was taking a year or two pause and that I would go back. But of course, I didn't go back because that wasn't my path. Instead, I got married and um, I got pregnant pretty quickly. I lost my first daughter late in the second trimester of pregnancy. And that's something that there will definitely be discussions about. Loss is such an important part and something that's so infrequently covered. It took me a little while to get pregnant with my next baby, but I got pregnant and had an uneventful pregnancy and then went on to have her and four more children after her. Uh, After my first three kids were born, I decided to go to nursing school and that I would become a certified nurse midwife. I had been attending my friend's births, um, just sort of being a support person, I got a job professionally as a doula employed at a hospital that actually had on-call doulas, mostly meant to serve the population uh, of teenage moms, incarcerated moms, people who might for one reason or another not have support. So we were it was an on-call sort of position, and I got a lot of great experience uh, seeing how birth impacts everybody, regardless of your socioeconomic state, your religion, your race. It's all, it's all love, right? It's all life-changing, no matter who you are, whether you're 13 or 50. Gosh, I would not want to have a baby at 50, personally, because I'm old. I am 50, and that sounds terrible right now. <laughs> okay. So I got a job as a doula there. I worked and did that for a couple of years while I was doing my prerequisites for nursing school. And once I got into nursing school, I got a job at, at the same hospital as a student nurse. I was super fortunate to work with a group of really, really great women who took me under their wings and taught me everything that they knew, who were kind and compassionate and really let me get my hands in there, (laughs) both literally and metaphorically. So by the time that I graduated from nursing school, I was 
I hit the ground running. I had a pretty short orientation and started working right away. My I started doing my bachelor's and preparing to apply to midwifery school with the plan to continue on to become a CNM. After some time in the hospital and, and realizing the way that the sort of political landscape was in the hospital, I started to get really frustrated. Frustrated with uh, what I could and could not accomplish, frustrated with protocols, frustrated with the ways that the hospital impeded the physiology of birth, which I understood pretty intimately even at that point. I really marched to the beat of a different drummer and it got me in trouble a few times. The final time was a physician ordered Pitocin to be started on a client and I talked to her about it. I gave her what we would now refer to as informed consent. We weren't using that term so much back then, but she was a pharmacist herself and decided she didn't want the medication. So I reported back to the physician that I did not administer it because she didn't want it, and he ordered me to administer it despite her objections. I refused to do it, and of course, he came in and he was very angry. And it was that point that I really had to have a conversation sort of with myself internally about whether or not I was being an accomplice to actions and activities that I knew and felt deeply were unethical and patriarchal and ultimately harmful. So I decided to leave. There was never any other kind of midwifery that I thought about practicing. I didn't know at the time any unlicensed or lay midwives. I didn't know any CPMs. I didn't know anyone that wasn't a certified nurse midwife. And we'll have a podcast episode about the different um, care provider designations. But home birth didn't feel like a choice that I could make being a home birth midwife. So I left labor and delivery and began to work in hospice. And that always shocks people because they think labor and delivery are about as, and hospice are about as different as two specialties could be. But in many ways, they're very similar. You're present for one of life's most, you know, personal, private, and important events. It leaves a lasting impression on everyone there. Regardless of who you are, you are part of that family's story forever. Um, it's not as if you just had surgery and your nurse is administering medications. You know, it's a serious personal event and it's very deeply emotional and connecting. And I loved that work. I loved hospice work. I got um, divorced and remarried and then got pregnant with my fifth child and had her and my sixth baby pretty close together and didn't work for a while at all. Stayed at home with them. And then I did a stint for about seven years as the editor-in-chief of an online women's magazine called Ravishly. And I wrote a lot. I wrote a lot and I managed a lot of other writers. And I wrote about everything from mental health to body image. And I did write a lot about birth and labor and pregnancy and parenting. And in 2020, when the pandemic just at the beginning of the pandemic, my husband's company transferred him to Austin, where we are now. So we bought a little farm and I spent a couple of years really focusing on that. And then um, our house burned down and I was injured and took some time off to deal with that. And then when I came back from that, I started back working in birth work full time as a doula for a local agency. That position really initially was just because they needed someone who had more experience and I had the time and was excited to do it. But it very quickly rekindled my passion for birth and I started studying midwifery at Indie Birth Midwifery School. I did um, an apprenticeship here locally 
And my primary focus now is on providing women-centered care to families who are planning on birthing outside the system and want a wise woman in attendance. I refer to myself as a traditional birth attendant or a birth keeper or a spiritual birth guide. And that's where my energy and my expertise feels best used at this time. I'm still taking some doula clients here and there, and I teach a childbirth class here in Austin as well, which is what uh, a lot of these podcasts will come from. My approach to birth, my approach to parenting, my approach to labor is to recognize it as the transformational event that it is. I believe very, very deeply that the way that we birth lays the foundation for the confidence and capability of our parenting. Women who birth empowered bring that empowerment into their birth, regardless of the type of birth, whether it's a scheduled C-section or a home birth unattended by any medical professionals. If the woman is empowered, she is likely to feel empowered in her parenting. So my primary objective always is to empower those who I work with. What makes me really unique in the way that I teach my childbirth class and in this podcast as well is that I have played every role in the room at a birth. I have been the person birthing, I have been the person catching the baby, I have been the nurse, and I have been the doula. My career in nursing gives me a very unique perspective that helps support my hospital clients in decision making. It can be very hard in the hospital to decipher what is um, emergency versus non-emergency. It can be hard to know if the options being presented to you are actually necessary or right. And what I do is I give clients and students insight into what's going on in the hospital's mind and why they're making the choices they're making. The truth is, as long as birth is a business in America, and as long as the bottom line is impacted by how, where, and when you birth, your provider can't be objective. It's very, very difficult to be objective in the face of that kind of potential financial windfall. Lawsuits in the United States are rampant against obstetricians, and that's not obstetricians' fault all the time. I've sat in on lawsuits that were both valid and necessary and also invalid and unnecessary. But regardless of why the lawsuits happen, malpractice insurance is very expensive. And so your physician's malpractice insurance costs and potential for those to go up will impact the way that they care for you. It can't not. It's the same with the hospital. If the hospital is sued and has to settle for seven, you know, several million dollars, that impacts how they behave. They are mostly concerned about you getting a living, healthy baby. That is true. They want you to be alive and healthy. Of course, that's the ultimate outcome. But the way that they get there can be reactionary and overzealous quite often. If there's an option being weighed and one side of the option leans towards something being done more quickly, even if it ends in a C-section, that's usually the option that the hospital would choose. So my purpose and path is to teach people everything about their birth so that they know exactly what's happening, not just in their body, but in their brain hormonally, and so that they know 
how we get into situations where birth takes a turn to the unforeseen. So people understand, not just from reading studies, but from my practical experience, what I have seen happen. Scientific data is valuable and studies are valuable, but the problem with studies is that we do know that the study is always seen through the eyes of the person doing it. So it can be very difficult to find objective medical material. Though I do refer to studies and I talk, talk about what we've found in studies, most of what I share is actually based on what I've seen, which I think is a far more valuable way of looking at things because my perspective is unbiased because I don't have a stake in the study. I don't have a stake in what's going on. I, it is, doesn't benefit me or behoove me for someone to have a vaginal birth for, versus a cesarean, regardless it, what they want is what makes me the happiest. I have and can continue to be a more objective observer, which allows me to offer a perspective that is unlike any of the other professionals that you might be working with during your pregnancy. Doulas are primarily emotional support, provide education and physical support in labor. But when you have a doula that's worked on both sides of the bed, as I like to call it, both as the doula and the nurse, she also knows what your nurse is thinking. She also knows the potential fallout from your nurse not following a physician's order or from challenging a physician, right? I know how difficult it can be to work with physicians, which impacts the way that I teach. And of course, not all obstetricians are difficult. Some of them are quite lovely, but many of them are difficult for whatever reason. And those are good things to be aware of when you're going into a birth with someone. So that is how I approach this work. And that is how I teach. I have a very critical eye for the way women are treated in our culture. I have a very critical eye for the way that we're birthing and for the birth outcomes in America and in other countries around the world. And I pay close attention to what's happening where so that I can be the most informed and provide as much education as possible to folks. What I hope that you'll find here is not just information and education about decision-making and choices in your pregnancy, but also empowerment and knowledge and wisdom in your body's own ability to do this work really without very much assistance at all. How we birth is how we live and how we live has the potential to change the future for better or worse. And I'm here to change it for better. The information in this podcast should not be considered medical advice. Birth is not a medical event.